Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. This weekend, we're continuing our series titled Whole, and where we're looking at the first dozen verses of Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is week number two of our series, Whole, and, and last week we talked about the number one thing that can get in the way of us loving God with our whole heart, our soul, and our strength, and all of it, just being all in. And we talked about loving myself is the number one thing that can get in the way of me loving God. This weekend, it's a little bit strong, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you the title of the message until I read you the first two verses of Deuteronomy 6, because I don't want you to think that I'm the one saying this. I just want you to know God's the one saying this, so don't email me. You got a problem with this message, email him, okay? Shoot it to him, write him a letter, throw it in the air, however you want to get it there. Don't send it to my inbox, all right? Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting verse 1. Now, Moses says, this is the commandment. The statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. That you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. Now, the NLT, the New Living Translation, says you must obey these commandments I am teaching you today, which the Lord your God is giving you. You must obey. And the title of this message is, You Must. You Must. Now I know some of you, when you hear the words, you must, your whole body tenses up. You, you flinch when someone tells you what to do. Okay, I don't know why this is human nature, all right? But think about this. Think about what the average child says in response to an adult that says, you must do this. What do they say in response? Okay, that's, I heard no, I heard why. I, usually it starts with a sound. Before a word is uttered, it starts with a sound in response, and the sound is like this. <laughs> you know that sound. You've seen, <laughs> especially with teenagers. <laughs> you got something in your throat? You, you need, what, cough syrup? What, what? <laughs> and then what do they say next? You can't tell me what to do. And my favorite one is, you're not the boss of me. My kids all tried that one time and then never said it again after that. You can't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> when someone says you must. But I want you to think about this. How often do we have someone say to us, you must do this? All the time. And you don't even realize it. You really don't even care that much when it happens. But for some reason, when God says, you must do this, it's like, ah, ah, who are you to tell me? Uh, the God of the universe. But think about this. You're told all the time, probably every day of your life, someone tells you you must do something. And you submit to it and do it. And you don't gripe about it. Probably in the last 30, maybe 60 days, at some point, you went to your favorite restaurant for dinner. And if you happen to go during a re really busy time, they did something. You went to the host or hostess, and they asked you for your name and how many people were in your party, and you told them, and then they handed you a beeper, and they said, we'll call you when your table is ready. 
Okay, do you realize what they just said to you? They just said, you want to eat here? Then you better go sit down until I call your name. And then when I tell you, you can go to your table. And you said, thank you. Yes, okay, I'll go sit down. You didn't go. Isn't that face ugly? That's how God feels. Every time he tells you to do something and you just go, in your heart. Well, the last time you went to a sporting event, man, I mean a really great one. Maybe you went to the final four and you were really excited. And they said, if you want to come in and see this, this game, you have to go through this security line. I'm not carrying anything dangerous. That's for them. Don't tell me what to do. No, if you want to see the game, you got to do what they say. What did you do? Because you really wanted to see the game. You went in, you didn't gripe about it, you just did what you were told. Ladies, the last time you saw something at the mall that you loved, when was the last time you just looked at it and went, I really like this, and walked out of the store? (laughs) No, you didn't do that. Why? Because they've told you. You like what you see? That's great. We want you to like what you see. But we put a tag on that dress, and you have to come to the front. You have to give us the money equivalent to the number on that tag, and then you can take home what you like. You didn't go, "Ah, I like it. I should be able to take it. You didn't do any of that. Okay, why then so often when God says, I need you to do this, do we put up a fight and raise a stink? When we go to a restaurant and they tell us you must do this and we gladly submit to the hostess, Yet we won't submit to the God of the universe when he says, you must do this. We hear the word must all the time, and we're okay with it. But I know when we put the word obey with must, it gets even stronger. So let's talk about this word obey. And in doing so, we're going to answer three questions related to the word obey. Here's question number one. Why do we obey? Why do we obey? Well, here's the most simple answer I can give you, because Christ did, and we are Christ followers. Christ obeyed, and we are Christ followers, therefore we should obey. Jesus in John chapter 13, verse 15 said, I have given you an example to follow. We're not just called Christ followers because Jesus said, hey, for the next three years, come follow me. Everywhere I go, you go. Come follow me. We're not just called Christ followers. That Jesus is saying, I'm giving you an example to follow. Come follow me. Come follow my example. What you see me do, I want you to do. Follow my example. And if Jesus were live and in person in this room, I mean in the flesh and blood, and we could ask him, Jesus, if you could only use five words to describe yourself, What five words would you choose? Personally, I very strongly believe to the point that I I would bet everything to my name that one of the five words he would use is the word obedient. Here's why. Because you cannot explain the person of Jesus Christ without using the word obedient. You cannot. It's all over scripture. If you put a marker in Philippians 2, flip over there. You're about to see one of the most significant passages in Scripture for a Christ follower. There are passages where God helps 
calibrate our understanding and our thinking related to what it means to be a Christ follower. Philippians chapter 2 is one of those passages. Look what it says, starting in verse 5. You must have, as a believer in Jesus, the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. It sounds very similar to what Jesus said. I've given you an example to follow. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Okay, let's be very clear. Jesus was not and is not the Father's slave. That's not what this passage is, is saying. It's saying that Jesus humbled himself like a slave. Jesus is not the slave of God the Father. They are equal members of the Trinity. But here's a, 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 a good way to kind of explain it. Jesus intentionally coordinated his will to perfectly line up with the will of the Father. Jesus intentionally coordinated his will to perfectly line up with the will of the Father. Jesus shows us that the best way to live is in obedience to God, lined up my will with his. And in John chapter 14, Jesus subtly explains why he obeys in this way. John chapter 14, verse 31, Jesus says, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches, speaking of the devil. He, the devil, has no power over me. The devil has no power over Jesus. That is really good news. Jesus says he doesn't have any power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me. In other words, everything he tells me to do, I'm going to do. And we know specifically he's talking about marching towards death on the cross. He says, I'll do what the Father requires of me. And here's the so that. So that, in other words, why? Why am I doing it? So that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. In John chapter 14, Jesus is saying, listen, many years from now, people are going to ask, why did I do this? Why did I go to the cross in obedience and go all the way to the point of death? Why did I do this? And we all know many will say, well, it's because Jesus loves me. Yes, that is one of the reasons. But Jesus is making sure we understand as followers of Jesus Christ that one of his biggest motivations for going to the cross to die was he loves the Father. And the Father asked him to do it. Jesus says, let me tell you why I obey, because I love him. When he asks me to do something, I don't do it because he makes me, I do it because I love him. I'm not his slave but I love the Father. Jesus shows us the best way to live is completely obedient to the Father. Jesus shows us just how far he takes this. He didn't just obey in the really big things. Jesus obeyed perfectly in all things, which means he obeyed in the very small things as well. John chapter 12, verse 49, Jesus says, I don't speak on my own authority. I don't just say whatever I want to say, he says. 
The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Jesus says, listen, I don't just say what I want. I say whatever he tells me to say, and I say it exactly the way he tells me to say it. Can you imagine what your marriage would be like if you only said what the Father told you to say? And you said it exactly the way he told you to say it? There'd be no more passive aggressiveness in your marriage? Can you imagine what your home would look like? What your life would look like if all you said was exactly what God told you to say and you said it exactly the way he told you to say it? Jesus says, listen, this is what I do. I don't just say whatever I want. I say what he tells me to. And he says, here's why. Because I know every command of the Father leads to eternal life. In other words, every time God asks me to do something, I know it leads to good things. Yes, maybe challenging things, but he's doing it for my good and he's doing it for the good of others. His commands lead to eternal life. Why do we obey? Because Jesus did and we're called as Christ followers to do just as he did. Here's question number two. Why should we obey? Why should we obey? Well, the, the simple answer is because we love him. Jesus says, I obey the Father because I love him. Okay, well, then if we're Christ followers and he obeyed, we should obey. But he did not obey because he had to. He obeyed because he loved the Father. Well, in the same way, we should obey because we love the Father. Holly, my wife, uh, she's very low maintenance. She's always been that way. When we met in college, uh, the girl would wear pajamas to class during the day. And you know you're hot when you can pull off pajamas and look amazing, okay? Now, don't you call her amazing. I'm only allowed to call her amazing, all right? She's just low maintenance. and She's always been that way. And when we first got married, the first couple of years, I didn't understand how this whole marriage thing worked. And so there'd be days I'd, I'd come home from work and instead of going straight home, I'd go to the mall and I'd go to a couple of her favorite stores and I'd buy her, uh, you know, six, seven, eight outfits from head to toe, shoes, everything. Now, I've already lost half the men in this room. I've also lost more than half of the women in this room because they're thinking if they're married, I can't even imagine what life would look like if my husband dressed me. I've, I've, oh Lord, now, you're not even going to listen to another word I say. You're so confused right now. But I would come home and I was so excited. And I, I mean, I, I was giddy. And I would walk in the house with bags from her favorite store. And I'd, I'd run into her room and go, babe, check it out, check it out, look. She'd say, well, honey, what is this for? It wasn't for an anniversary or anything. Babe, I, I just love you. I just Check it, look, look, look. I know you need a new outfit here. I was all riled up. And, and she would open up the first bag and an outfit, and it would go like this. Oh, babe, that's so cute. <laughs> oh, babe, those shoes are great. I'm going, no, no, they're not. They're amazing. Those shoes are amazing. That outfit is awesome. Why am I so excited and you're not? It wasn't because she was spoiled. I remember the day when she said, down the road a bit. She said, babe, I love it when you buy me things. I love it. But I feel most loved when you snuggle with me in the morning before you get out of bed. 
And when the last thing you do before you leave the office is give me a kiss. That's when I feel most loved. What was she saying? That my taste in clothing was horrible? No. Clearly not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. That was a joke. That's an inside joke. Don't even take that. Oh, he's so cocky. That was an inside joke. Okay? Don't you do that to me. My wife is in this service, okay? <laughs> no, she wasn't saying that. She wasn't. What was she saying? Baby, if you love me, love me the way I want and need to be loved. I love that you love me. But if you really want to know how to cheat on this test called my heart, let me tell you how. Love me the way I want and need to be loved. And I said, gotcha. Listen, Jesus in Scripture says the same thing to you. He says, you want to know how to love me? I'll tell you. I'll give you the way to cheat on the test called my heart. Let me tell you what I love. Let me show you in Scripture, John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, don't bring me a bunch of bags from my favorite store. Don't give me the sacrifices. If you really love me, obey my commandments. If you want to know how I want to be loved, obey my commandments. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. In other words, it's not crazy when he asks you to do something. He's not trying to crush you. He's trying to bring life to you. 2 John chapter 1, verse 6, love means doing what God has commanded us. <coughs> Preston, that doesn't sound like friendship. That sounds like slavery. That the only way that, that I can prove my love is to obey? That, that sounds like slavery. Listen, Jesus addressed this idea of are we slaves? Are we his slaves or are, are, are we his friends? He addresses this. John chapter 12, verse 49, Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, John 15. Verse 13, Jesus says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, Jesus says, if you do what I command. Then he says, I no longer call you slaves because master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. Okay, let me help you understand what kind of a friend Jesus is talking about. Have you ever been around somebody who was a name dropper? If you're sitting next to them, just put both your hands up and let us know. Somebody did in the last service. Just a name dropper. Just constantly dropping names. This happened to me a couple years ago at one of my boys' baseball games. And one of the dads was just one of those dads that was like constantly just, you know, there's something you need to know about me that I don't often talk about. From time to time, um, I have the uh, ability, let's just call it, to be a little bit ornery, just a little bit. And when, when I get poked like this, I got to really pray, just keep it down, keep it down. Well, this guy just pulled it out of me. And we're just talking, we're not talking about anything serious, and out of nowhere, this guy goes, and I'm not going to say the celebrity's name because it doesn't matter. But he said, you know, I'm friends with so-and-so. And I said, really? And he should have been able to tell by the sarcasm in my voice. It was about to go down, but he couldn't tell. I said, really? He said, yeah, yeah, we've been friends for years. Got his phone number in my phone. I said, let's call him. 
That's awesome. Let's dial him up. Uh, well, I mean, you know, he's busy, and I don't, I don't want to inconvenience him, and, and I don't like to bother him. You know, a lot of people bother him, you know. I just, I don't want, and I said, well, if you're friends, man, when I call my friends, it could be in the middle of the night. They love taking my call. Let's call him up. Well, you know, no, I just, I feel uncomfortable. You know, I like it better when he calls me and I wanted to say he's never called you in his life. <laughs> no, I, I just don't want to. What, what was he letting me know? They're not really friends. Some way, somehow he got this number and he's walking around saying, you know, this is my friend. Okay. That is not the kind of friend Jesus is talking about. Jesus isn't saying, the kind of relationship I want to have with you is the name-dropping kind of friendship, where you can walk around and say, you know, I know Jesus. He's not talking about that kind of friend. Jesus is saying, let me help you understand. Here's the kind of friend I want, Preston. I want to be able to tell you everything. I want to be able to tell you everything. I don't see you as a slave any longer. I see you as a friend. Look, he is connecting intimacy with revelation. That he reveals things to us. The more intimate our relationship, the greater the revelation. He's saying, Preston, I don't want to have a slave-master relationship with you, and neither does the Father. I want love to be the center. Not deed, not work, not works. I want the kind of friend I can tell you anything. But Preston, here is the deal. You will never be ready for my private secrets until you first show me you can faithfully steward my personal requests. That's what Jesus is saying. If you love me, do what I say. And when you do what I say, I know when you do what I ask you to do, it lets me know you can handle the kind of things that I really want to say to you. Obedience and intimacy go together. Intimacy and revelation go together. Jesus is helping us understand. That leads us to the next question, and that's the strong one. Why must we obey? Why must we obey? Peter in, in Acts chapter 5 uh, he had been told, he and some of the apostles had been told, now don't you go preaching around in this man's name. They wouldn't even say his name. Don't you go around preaching in this man's name. Well, what did they do? They doubled down. They preached in Jesus' name. They get called back before the council. The council says, did we not tell you, do not go around preaching in this man's name? And you've done it. You've continued to do it. And furthermore, you've gone around blaming his death on us. And they wanted to kill him. And Peter, being led by the Holy Spirit, responds brilliantly and says, we must obey. I can just imagine a dramatic pause there for a moment. We must obey God, not human authority. He didn't say it's a good idea to obey. He didn't say, ah, I feel like obeying. He said, we must obey God, not human authority. Okay, well, why must we obey? I'm going to give you two really Really obvious and simple answers. Here's the first one. Intimacy is impossible without obedience. Jesus started to touch on it in what we, we just read in John 15. Intimacy is impossible without obedience. John chapter 14, verse 21. Jesus says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. 
And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Look, Jesus connects intimacy with revelation. He says, if they love me, and here's how I know they love me, they do what I ask. If they obey, they love me. If they love me, I'm going to reveal myself to each one of them. Judas, in verse 22, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. That's a strong statement. But watch this next part. My father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. The God of the universe, the Son of God, the Holy Spirit, all say, here's who we come in fellowship with. Here's who we come and commune with. Those who do what the Father asks. That's who we fellowship with. 1 John chapter 3, verse 24 says, those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he, God, with them. Intimacy is impossible without obedience. (laughs) Preston, that sounds like a threat. That I can't have intimacy with God if I don't obey God. That just doesn't sound right. That sounds mean. It sounds like a dictator. No, it doesn't. It sounds normal. Think about this. It doesn't sound heretical. Is it weird that in a relationship that when you do what the other person asks, that it's good for the relationship? Is that weird or heretical? Of course not. Think about this. Let's just use my marriage. If tonight my wife says, hey, babe, can you go out and feed the chickens? Don't get any ideas by this illustration, by the way, babe. If she says, can you go out and feed the chickens? Can you go make sure the the, the chickens have water? No. Tomorrow morning. Hey, babe, can you wake up, make sure the kids are all ready to go to school and get the lunches ready? I know it's Monday, but I need you to do it today. No. Three o'clock tomorrow. Hey, babe, can you pick the kids up from school? The boys need to go straight to practice. Can you just pick them up? Nope. Five o'clock tomorrow. Honey, can you take Tyler to baseball practice? I really need your help. That would be great. No, I can't. Okay, if that keeps on going, where every time she asks me for something, I constantly tell her no. At what point does my wife step back and go, does he even love me? Because I keep asking him for these things, and he keeps telling me no. But on the other hand, when she asks those things, and I say, absolutely, do I want to? Not really, but will I? Because you ask, yes. Because I love you, yes, I will. I don't always feel like doing what you ask, but I love you, and love isn't a feeling. In the same way, Jesus says, let me tell you why I obey the Father. I love him. I love him. I'll do whatever he asks me to do. And Preston, if you will do what the Father asks you to do, there's a benefit to obedience. It's called intimacy with the Father. Intimacy is impossible without obedience. In my marriage, in my relationship with God, If I'm not willing to do what's asked of me, I should not be surprised when I never experience intimacy. Here's the second reason, and this is strong, and this breaks all the preaching handbook rules there are. 
you never end with the most seemingly harsh and convicting thing. You, you break them in easy, you hit them hard in point number two, and then you hug them in point three and send them home. That's what the book says. <laughs> Let's just say this, this last sub point is not so much a hug, all right? And it's not for me. Here's a really big reason why we must obey. Because Jesus has strong words for those who don't. Jesus has really strong words for those who don't obey. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. In other words, I can't get in doing it my way. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, Jesus says, saying, I never even knew you. Watch this harsh part. Get away from me, you who break God's law. I know this is strong. I know for some of you, you don't like to read that part of the Gospels. Listen, I don't like to be spanked either. But don't take this as a spanking. Take it as a heads up. Take it as the Son of God saying, trust me, you can't do it your way. It doesn't work. And here's how strongly I feel about it. Get away from me, those of you who refuse to do it the way the Father has asked. But I want you to think about this. I said, I want you to get hung up on harshness. Jesus is being strong. He's not being mean. What's the very next story Jesus tells in Matthew 7? He tells the story of the two builders. And he says, there once were two builders and one built his house on the sand and the other built his house on the rocks. And when the storms and the waves and the winds and the natural disasters came and they hit the house built on the sand, the house built on sand crumbled. But the same storm and the same waves and the same wind and the same natural disasters hit the house built on the rock. And the house built on the rock didn't just withstand the storms, the winds, the waves, the natural disasters. It stood. Jesus is saying, there are two ways to do this life. One is doing it your way, building it the best way you think. And I get that you're a CEO, and I get you've made some very successful choices, but Jesus says, it still doesn't matter in the end. All that wisdom, all that know-how is just sand. You cannot build your life on what you know. The only thing you can build your life upon is the God of the universe and his principles. And Jesus says, don't get hung up on what I just said. Let me help you understand the heart of the Father. Don't do it this way. Build your life upon the rock. And if you do, you won't have to worry about the storms. You won't have to worry about the waves. 
Your house will not just withstand the storms, it will stand for eternity. What is Jesus saying? The most simple way to to describe what he just said is this. I want you to live the life I have shown you you can live, but you cannot live it doing things your way. The only way to live the life I have shown you you can live is to do things God's way. Therefore, you must. If you want the life I've shown you, you must do things His way. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.